Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. I just love the interpretations and explanations that children bring to the Christmas story, just like the ones we saw in that video. I heard about another little boy in a Christmas program that only had one line to say. His line was this, behold, I bring you good tidings. And after rehearsal, he asked his mom what tidings meant. She told him it meant news. Well, when the day of the program came, the little boy was so nervous and so scared, he couldn't remember his line. And finally, he blurted out, hey, have I got good news for you? (laughs) That's essentially what an angel said to a groggy group of shepherds on the night Jesus was born. Now, to those of us with the hindsight of hundreds of years of history and no small amount of holiday nostalgia, it seems like the perfect way to break this glorious world-changing news. But to the shocked shepherds, who were the original recipients of this startling announcement, not so much. Here's how the gospel writer Luke describes the scene. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The popular Christmas carol that we're going to sing a little bit later famously describes that scene like this, silent night, Holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Fear is a common response to things we don't understand or that we perceive as a threat to our well-being. That's why when God's glory appears in any form in the scriptures, it accentuates and intensifies a fundamental fearfulness in all who encounter it because people immediately recognize when God really shows up that they are fallen creatures in the presence of a holy creator. And yet this angel has this astonishing message to these traumatized shepherds. He said, he said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, everybody say those two words. Good news. One more time. Good news. Not good advice, not good counsel, but good news. You may be thinking, what's the difference? Advice is counsel about what you should or could do. News is a report about what has already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something has already happened and you should respond accordingly. Advice says it's all up to you to act. News says someone else has acted. In this case, it was God who had acted and the angels are the heralds of what he's done. So let's pick it back up. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In other words, the angel is announcing that we don't have to live fear-dominated lives anymore because Jesus' birth is God's good news to deal with human fear. That's why another beloved Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, has these lyrics. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. From this short but significant passage in Luke's gospel account, I want us to see three divine responses to human fears that bring good news. And here's the first one, good news. Jesus is not afraid to enter our mess. 
It's a very ironic thing that in our day, whenever you see a nativity scene or set in somebody's home or displayed on their front lawn, it looks so neat. It's so impeccably arranged. People in the nativity scene look like their robes have just been neatly washed and pressed and their hair's been styled and sprayed perfectly in place and the animals lie peacefully still, never making a sound or a stink. But in the actual barn where Jesus was born, probably wasn't like that. A barn is a messy, smelly place. I've been around a few of them in my life. And I'll guarantee you when Mary found out she was going to give birth to her first baby in a barn, she did not say to Joseph, hey, pumpkin, they're giving us the stable birthing suite. (laughs) This worked out great, didn't it? Nobody went through the barn and disinfected it or sprayed Febreze ahead of time. It looked and smelled the way barns have always looked and smelled. It was not a nice place to spend the night, let alone give birth to a baby. And this baby, this newborn king that we sing about, Luke says was laid in a manger. Now, just in case you didn't know, a manger is not a high-end product in the crib line from Ikea. A manger is a feed trough for farm animals. A manger in a barn would make your dog's dish look like a piece of fine china. And to top it off, the angel says that the fact Jesus started off here is not a mistake. It's not like an arbitrary or accidental thing that they would find Jesus in this kind of stable condition. No, the angel said, this is actually a sign. But a sign of what? This will be a sign to you about Jesus. You will find him in messy places. The king of the universe, the alpha, the omega, enters human history of being born in a barn, wrapped in rags, surrounded by animals, entrusted to an economically challenged young couple because this is Jesus' signature move. His very arrival on planet Earth reveals there's no place he won't go. There's no thing he won't do. There's no depths he will not descend in order to bring God's love and God's grace and God's presence to anybody who will receive him. And the reason this is good news to us is because we live in a very messy world and every day it seems to get a little messier, doesn't it? And it's not just the external world around us that is a mess. The inner workings of our private worlds often get so messy. As Pastor Andy Stanley likes to say, you either are a mess, you were a mess, or you're one dumb decision away from becoming a mess. And so the angel says, here's some good news that will bring great joy to everyone everywhere. The God who made this world and everything in it, the God who made you and put you here for this exact time is not afraid of your mess. No, the God who was born in a stable and wrapped in rags and laid in a manger will come right into the middle of your life, no matter how messed up it might be, if we just ask him. Because that's his signature move. That's his sign. That's a dead giveaway that Jesus is among us. I say this. Because sometimes people think to themselves, I got to get my life cleaned up first before I can come to God and start learning about him or showing up at church. I've got a mess somewhere and I need to get my act together first and then I can come to God. I can't speak for other churches, but that's certainly not true at Journey. In fact, we say this all the time around here. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And through Jesus, anything's possible. Several years ago, I was working on a message about the messiness of the manger in contrast to the clean, sterile, and lifeless nativity sets that we all see displayed this time of year. And these thoughts hit me, and I wrote them down. I simply argue that the manger be displayed again. 
in the middle of a real mess, as well as in the middle of a ceramic nativity. I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was not born in a birthing suite between the pediatric ward and the gift shop, but in a barn between a teenage mother and a terrified stepdad, in the middle of politically motivated chaos, in a town so insignificant that angels had to convince shepherds to go check it out and that astronomers from the east had to ask directions to find at the kind of place that smells like manure and that no son-in-law wants his in-laws to ever know about, in a place that was so underwhelming amid circumstances that were so controversial because that's where Jesus was born and that's why he was born. And that brings us to the second important piece of good news. Good news, Jesus came to rescue us from what's wrong with us. The word savior was a common term in the ancient world. It was often used to speak of a military figure or a king who bore the hopes of the masses. But in the New Testament, the term savior is only used in reference to God or Jesus and no one else. That's why the writer of Revelation says salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. A writer named Gregory Kukul said, most ailments need particular antidotes. Increasing the air pressure in your tires will not fix a troubled carburetor. Aspirin will not dissolve a tumor. Cutting up credit cards will not wipe out debt already owed. If your water pipes are leaking, you call a plumber, not an oncologist, but a plumber will not cure cancer. Any adequate solution, he writes, must solve the problem that needs to be solved, and singular problems need singular solutions. Well, humanity faces one primary problem. We are broken by our sin. And someone has pointed out that the middle letter of the word sin is what? Everybody say that again. I. Sin is fundamentally an I problem. I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. I have three grandsons. This is Hampton. This is Davis. And that little gal in the end is Bryant. A couple weeks ago, my youngest grandson, Bryant, got up early on a Saturday morning along with his two older brothers, my daughter and her husband, thought they could sleep in a little, get some much-needed extra rest. But Brian, on the end, had other plans. He put a piece of pizza left over from the night before in the microwave for 100 minutes. <laughs> I didn't even know microwaves had settings for 100 minutes. The pizza was quickly incinerated. Smoke begins to fill the house. My daughter and her husband wake up, rush into the kitchen. My two older grandsons are laser focused on watching TV in spite of all the annoying smoke filling the room. <laughs> Just like their pappy did when I was a boy. Later that day, Bryant talked to my wife, Melinda, on the phone and he said, we have smoke problems, Mimi. <laughs> Indeed you do, Bryant. And who would be the cause of those smoke problems? The next time we find ourselves in a mess, maybe we should ask ourselves, Who's the chief cause of almost all the problems in my life? Now, I don't know about you, but I have a little confession I feel like I need to make on Christmas Eve. I have personally participated in all of my dumb decisions in my life. It's true. I'd like to blame somebody else for my stupid and selfish choices, but I did it. I have sin problems, Mimi. At the core of the human heart, there's an impulse that says, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. Who can save us from us? Certainly not dysfunctional governments 
that prize the love of power over the power of love. Not bottom line driven business that prizes profit over people. Not elite academics that prizes credentials over character. Any lasting solution has to start in the heart because the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart and only Jesus is in the heart changing business. Jesus is the only one who can be our savior because Jesus is the only one who has solved our sin problem. That's why the angel said this to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now we all understand that Christmas is a time of giving gifts. Maybe you've already done that or gonna do that later this evening or you're certainly gonna do it tomorrow on Christmas day. But sometimes you may receive a gift you need but don't really want because of what it says about you. I heard one guy say a few years ago that he received not one but two nose hair trimmers for Christmas <laughs> from two different people independent of each other. Now I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna make a prediction. None of you had nose hair trimmer on your Christmas list, did you? So why would somebody get not one but two nose hair trimmers for Christmas? Probably because they have a nose hair situation. That's getting a little out of control. You know what God gave us for Christmas? A savior. Someone to save us from our sins? What does that say about us? I need someone to pull me out of my pit. I need somebody to do for me what I can't do for myself. I need someone to save me from me, from my own failures flops and fumbles. And so I come humbly before God and I say, God, I admit it. I confess my sin to you. I want your gift of a savior that you sent to me. Several years ago at the church I served in Ohio, during the month of December, one of the children's classes had their students finish this sentence. If I were a gift, and they had them write a little paragraph. One young man wrote this. I've kept this in my files all these years because it touched me. Listen to what he wrote. If I were a gift, I'd be a cure for my grandpa. He's having troubles. He's had a lot of tests done on him. The doctors still don't know what he has. So if I were a gift, I'd be a cure and a doctor that would know what he had. For those of us who know something's not right with us but can't quite figure out what it is, Hey, have I got good news for you. Jesus is both the gift and the cure for our greatest problem, our sin that separates us from God and that alienates us from others, and that's really good news. But there's one more piece of good news the angel tells us about Jesus. Good news. Jesus came to restore to us what's right. The angel told the shepherds that not only Jesus was a savior, but that he is Christ the Lord. Now, the word Lord sounds odd to our 21st century American ears that have been trained on democracy. The only time we hear the word Lord is when we watch British television shows or when we sing the 12 days of Christmas, about 10 lords a leaping. But the term Lord simply means ruler. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying Jesus is ruling. Right now, right here, not just someday, not just somewhere, some sweet by and by, but it's a fair question to ask, what exactly is he in charge of? Jesus called his domain the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the sphere in which everything that happens 
aligns with God's good design and brings him great delight. Jesus said this kingdom of God exists right now and one day everyone will know it and all that is wrong will be made right because Jesus not only came to rescue, he came to restore. That's what this lyric from another cherished song we love to sing this time of year, joy to the world means. Listen, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. You see, Jesus didn't just come to rescue us individually from the curse of sin. No, no. He came to restore globally all that sin had corrupted and compromised. His redemptive mission is as extensive as sin's destruction is pervasive, and wherever sin abounds, grace abounds more. A first century Christian named Paul once wrote to a small struggling church located in what is now modern day Turkey, these encouraging words, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We're not only saved from something, we're saved for something. We're saved from sin, we're saved for life in the kingdom. But right now, there's currently other kingdoms operating what the scripture writers call the kingdoms of earth. How's it going down here? Not so hot, is it? Every year around this time, the people who publish dictionaries select a word of the year, a word or expression that has attracted a great deal of interest and searches over the last 12 months. Well, this year, the folks over at Merriam-Webster Dictionaries chose this very interesting word for their word of the year. Their word was gaslighting. The act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. That sounds about right, doesn't it? In our world of fake news and conspiracy theories and Twitter trolls. But Jesus has this plan for our troubled planet. He describes it in the world's most famous prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, here's my plan. I'm going to bring up there, down here, starting with myself. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, like a lot of Christians, I grew up praying the beam me up, Scotty kind of prayers. You know what I'm talking about? In the old Star Trek show, when Captain Kirk and his crew were about to be trapped in an intergalactic mess on a hostile planet, he would radio back to his chief engineer on the Starship Enterprise named Scotty, and he'd say, beam me up, Scotty, and then he instantly dematerialized and vanished. I was taught that our great hope as believers in Jesus is that one day God will get us off this messed up planet so we can go up in heaven to heaven and be with him. But Jesus taught us a prayer that goes in a very different direction. Not to get me out of here so I can go up there, but to make up there come down here. Jesus told us to ask God to bring heaven, your kingdom, your will down here to my family, my office, my neighborhood, my small group, my country, starting with my life my body. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus' gospel or good news involves the greatest offer of all time, but it turns out it's not the gospel we've heard most commonly taught, particularly in American churches. 
Friends, listen to me. The gospel is not a presentation about what you need to do to go to heaven after you die. The gospel is a proclamation about what God has done to get heaven into you before you die. Jesus' gospel is not about a final relocation program. It's about an ongoing transformation process. It's not about a place God wants to take you to later. It's about a purpose God wants to fulfill in you right now. Jesus' gospel is that in him the kingdom of God has become available on earth. Jesus' reign as Lord is not something that might happen sometime in the future. It's already begun in his birth, his life, his teaching, his healing, his death, and most of all, his resurrection from the grave. The future has already broken into the present right here, right now, in the midst of the gaslighting kingdoms that oppose it. And anybody who's willing can enter. And when Jesus really enters your life, it changes everything. Here's what I know. I know that I know this. It's true. I know this in the core of my heart. And that's why I've loved preaching this gospel for 42 years. Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. I know that. Jesus makes your life better and he makes you better at life. And so I close with these poignant words written by Phillips Brooks. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And one holy silent night, the wondrous gift was given. And if you'd like to receive that indescribable gift of a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship with God, I'd like to invite you to do something right now. Would you just bow your heads, if you would, and you can pray with me a prayer like I'm gonna offer, or you can pray your own prayer. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so I could know you personally. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me all my life, even when I didn't know it. I realize I need a savior to set me free from all the habits and hurts and hangups that mess up my life. I need your forgiveness. I wanna follow Jesus as the Lord of my life and learn to love you and love people the way Jesus loved you and loved people. And right now by faith, I accept your Christmas gift to me, Jesus the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. In his name, I pray. And we all agreed and said, amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.